I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to Voices of Reason. Uh, I am Amy Donaldson. Uh, we are without Jason Lee for a couple of weeks. He's uh, actually taking a trip to Africa. Um, so uh, today I'm very excited about this topic and the people in the studio and on the phone with us. Uh, we have Tom Hackett, who was a, a very famous Utah punter. <laughs> famous as much for what he said about BYU as, as his punting skills, I think. But Thank uh, you, Amy. Very accomplished punter. Thank you. And now he works for KSLsports.com. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Uh, we also have Stevenson Sylvester, better known to us as Sly. Uh, he also does some broadcasting now. He's entrepreneur, philanthropist, and also a former Utah uh, and um, also NFL uh Defensive back, right? <laughs> linebacker. 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 Yeah. And then Ethan Bauer, who is uh, from the Deseret News In-Depth team. Um, I Ethan came on. He's new to us, but he uh, uh, comes from, I think, Columbia School of Journalism and also uh, did um, a pretty compelling piece on this topic before the bill was signed. And so I asked him to join us because he did a bunch of research and talked to a bunch of people on a wide variety of uh opinions and insights and then we have uh, on the phone with us evan brennan nfl sports agent uh lives in california but represents a lot of guys here in utah and i've run into him here and there usually around utah pro day or uh around the draft so thank you all for joining us of course of course thank you i'm excited thanks for having me on thank you very much all right so let's let's start with evan um i would love to know your thoughts on this bill from an agent's perspective i mean i guess it's not a bill now it's a law Correct. Um, it'll go into effect, obviously, uh, in a few years, but it's spreading like wildfire. I actually just saw that uh, former Colts wide receiver Anthony Gonzalez, who's a congressman from Ohio, is going to introduce uh, the same law there. You're seeing the bill being introduced in New York. You're going to see it in Florida. Um, there's a lot of legal precedent behind this particular act. And so California being the most, you know, heavy precedent-based state that we have in um, the United States, the fact that they did it first opens the gates for these other states to do it. So it is monumental in uh, from a legal precedent standpoint. And let me just say that what the bill, what the law in California does, it says that athletes can benefit from their image or likeness, right? As athletes. Correct. Correct. That, that a uh, NCAA institution can't take away their scholarship or essentially punish them when they receive money for their name, likeness, or image. And let me ask you, as an, an agent, is that, and they can actually hire agents, right? So now they can have an agent, and it won't disqualify them from competing. Um, 
What are your thoughts on this? I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, you see constantly some of these marquee players, Johnny Manziel of recent nature comes to mind, that are able to garner significant amounts of money. In sports such as football or injury is can be very prevalent. The opportunities to make money are few and far between and very limited. And so the fact that, you know, other people could be making significant money off these athletes and they not be entitled to get it, it seems wrong. Um, and now with, with this law being cast, I, I think that uh, this allows uh, athletes that uh, otherwise don't have a lot of means potentially to cash get it. Um, I do think there needs to be some regulation. There are all kinds of cans of worms that could be potentially opened by this. So the state says time goes on, they're going to have to flush that out. I think the NCAA has got a real issue on their hands. They can either choose to, um, you know, go along with these laws or they can uh, seek to offer, you know, countermeasures reforms or they can maybe die eventually if things aren't sorted out uh, to uh, to make them viable moving forward. Um, let me ask you, are you surprised the NCAA has not dealt with this because the O'Bannon case is what, four or five years old? Uh, this has been going on. I mean, we talked about this in law school. I, I've talked about this for years and years, years. I mean, the NCAA has known that this was going to be a possibility for a long time. Um, you know, they, they campaigned against this. Um, you know, it, it is going to put some stress on the NCAA men, member institution in the state of California. The, the athletic director of San Diego State has gone against the measure because of the pressure it's going to put on him. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the NCAA knew this was coming. They had opportunities to reform. You bring up the O'Bannon case. That was one that came out uh, that uh, was probably a shot across the bow of this. They, they've chosen thus far to not make any significant reforms. As every day goes on and every state joins on with this, there's going to be very, very significant pressure on the NCAA to make uh, some countermeasures. So, thank you so much, Evan. Ethan, let me to just give us a, like sort of an overview of your research. Like what were the... What was the gamut of opinions like? Obviously, people for and against, but what was the reasoning for that? Um, really, there's a lot of reasons. Um, in the piece, I wrote that, for the most part, at least in the athlete community, the support was pretty deafening compared to the opposition. Um, I haven't really seen any unified opposition. People offered a lot of different reasons why they think this could be problematic, Um I don't know if any of those are particularly worth getting into because they're kind of all over the place. And well, then one one that I've heard that I think is interesting, and I wonder if you'd run in, run into this, and maybe Evan can chime in on this. But it's the whole idea of of competition and a level playing field. That if it's legal in California to do that, and Utah plays in the Pac-12, are they now at a competitive disadvantage? Yeah, that was definitely something that came up with some of the the lawyers I talked to. Um, even if they were for this in theory, like that, it, it makes it fair or more fair, um, they were very concerned that it would create an unlevel playing field. And their impression was that this cannot possibly be the last thing. You know, this takes three years to go into effect. Um, there are going to have to be some changes because it does, you know, make a non-level playing field. A lot of them suggested that it's going to have to happen at the federal level. And there has been a federal uh, bill introduced to address this same issue. Um, but yeah, that, that was definitely a big one that came up and um, something, whether it's the NCAA changing its policies or suing California to get this law to go away or, you know, changes at the federal level, something else is going to have to happen before this goes into effect in 2023. Um, Tom, your thoughts on this? I'm all about it. I think it's a good thing. Why is that? Uh, I think uh, I think the game of football and the term student-athlete's changed over the years. I've been around since 2012, and I've I've seen it develop. Mm-hmm. Um, 
boy, a lot of the boys on the team back in 2012 were Mountain West players, and now they're all predominantly Pac-12 athletes. And I just think that uh, Coach Whittingham would always tell the players that uh, the program's all about the players, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yet the players are making about 1300 bucks a month, and the one that's in charge of the program... You guys get 1300 Nowadays, yeah. Sly. Sly's older than you. Sly actually goes back to the Mountain West. But Coach Witt's on three point something million bucks. And and if the program's all about the players, then why is he making three million and we're on not that much considering... I mean, it's good. Like, like don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about the scholarship and the free education and... I think you're somewhere in the, the between the state and federal poverty level guidelines mm-hmm. with thirteen hundred bucks. But a there's month. a lot of hours that go into <laughs> yeah. every every week, and uh, you break it down, and it's somewhere around the twelve bucks an hour or something. Okay, I Sly, can't you're old. You're older. Uh, mm-hmm. You more mature. <laughs> Your experience is from the late nineties, right? Late nineties. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. not that old. Okay. Okay. Gee, that hurts. <laughs> um, <laughs> No. Um, when did you play at Utah then? Uh, 2006 was okay. my first year. Okay. First year. Okay. <laughs> so I was just a few years behind Tom. Yeah. Uh, or ahead of Tom. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm against this. Okay. I don't like it, and uh, the reason being is honestly it's the psychology that it's playing on mm-hmm. the players. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that young mind, I do a lot of philanthropic work with homeless people, disadvantaged people. And what a lot of people can attest to is that money changes people, you know, especially kids at that age. Now they're making decisions not only on their education, not only on, you know, benefiting them for years after football because playing in the NFL, playing and all these is like the business of football the business of sports in general for general will will spit you out if you ain't if you ain't up to it mm-hmm. and so if your mind is on making money and not actually being a a great athlete you'll make some money in college but you'll never even get to the pros because you're so focused focused on making money in college you don't really put the attention into your education now you're putting you're putting all your efforts into my image and likeness yada 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 you don't put any effort into your education now you're uh, spending all that time trying to you know I'm better myself as an athlete so I can get more money and you're not even further in your education next thing you know you don't even get a shot to the NFL and now you're just uh, getting all that money that you made in college, which young minds, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, um, are going to spend. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, So me, uh, being an entrepreneur and what a lot of these people in California are, are wetting their whistle on is like, okay, give these young people money. I'm going to start all these businesses, getting into their back pockets, calling them all the time, talking about new advertisements, because I know they're going to spend money. I know they have no... Uh, financial education on that. And so that's where I would go to kind of combat this whole idea. Is like, okay, I know the NCAA some crooks. That's been topics for ever. Mm-hmm. And um, h- how are we going to fix this? It's not by just giving these kids money. That's just the dumbest thing. If I was to do anything, I would say uh, I, I agree with Tom. Is like the, the money made by athletics should be spent in athletics. But either put it in a CD for these individuals to where they can't touch for five to 10 years or (laughs) make them pass a financial literacy course. That's something I'm here. I'm 30 years old and 
to this day, I'm still finding out how I need to work my insurance or mm-hmm. pay rent or bills, all these things like that. These kids don't have that type of education, and you're just giving them money, Jordans, clothes, all this stuff. That's all they're going to get. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion um, and uh, have a few more questions for you guys about sort of the implementation and what it's going to do to college sports away from football because we've talked a lot of a lot of the focus of this discussion has been on football, but there's a lot of other sports that could mm-hmm. benefit or yeah. could be impacted by it. So thank you for listening to Voices of Reason. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. You're listening to Voices of Reason. I'm Amy Donaldson. Jason is on vacation in Africa, taking that trip of a lifetime. Um, we're joined today by, uh, we're talking today about um, this idea of paying athletes for their image and likeness while they're competing in college athletics. Um, we're talking with Tom Hackett, former college player and uh, employee here at KSLSports.com. Uh, Sly, uh, uh, I think you just you're one of those guys who just has one name, right? <laughs> right. Uh, sort of become a fixture in Utah as much for your philanthropic work as for your days up at, at Utah when you were a defensive beast. And uh, Ethan Bauer, who is a member of the Deseret News in Depth team, and uh, on the line with us is Evan Brennan, an agent from California who represents a lot of. Uh, well, he's an NFL agent, but he has represented a lot of, of the kids here. Evan, right off the top, did you have uh, a response to or some thoughts in response to either of the athlete um, opinions on this law? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that this law is going to have to get fleshed out in the current state. I I think that uh, it's kind of unbridled. I think there are going to have to be some significant um, fleshing out of how they implement the law. If the players aren't, you know, able to handle this money, this could be a, a disaster. But I will say this. The law does not say, hey, let's pay all these players for their likeness. The law says we're going to create a marketplace. So if you're a player that's riding the bench, you're not very good, no one is going to pay you an endorsement deal. However, if you are Johnny Manziel, and people would pay you a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money while you're in college to endorse their products or use their name likeness or something in that regard, then under the, as it was currently constituted under the NCAA, that wasn't available. For someone that has that you know deep market penetration, someone that has that uh, prowess where they could be remunerated along those lines, and this allows that to occur. So uh, the, the people that will actually be affected in terms of large monetary stakes on this are going to be few and far between. You know, your star quarterbacks, star running backs, star wide receivers on on college football teams, but the, the average guy is, is not going to see a tremendous windfall financially from this. Maybe affected by some other movements, domino effects, but uh, at least financially, based on what we're seeing here, not so much. But I do agree that there does need to be some tweaking to how this is. So let me ask you a question. 
a scenario. Tom was a really popular college player, and I can see some local call based on what Sly suggested. I can see some local car dealership or business here saying, "Hey, we want to sponsor you. We want you to do something for us." And being our commercials, right? So he gets paid for that, which I'm sure you would have loved as a college player, right? Oh, yeah. And could have used the money. And so how much does that impact sort of what he's there for and what he's doing? I'll ask you first, and then Tom can respond. (laughs) It's 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 an added component. I mean, I negotiate endorsement deals for uh, professional football players that play on very large stages. It's actually harder than you think we get to make endorsement deals done. Football players play with helmets on. They're not as marketable as you think outside of the Tom Brady's of the world. But yes, there are a lot of product-based deals. There are some cash deals, and, and given the prowess locally, there, there is an opportunity to make some money. Um, and uh, you know that would be available to Tom. I was you know around with Tom was uh, there at Utah, and uh, he most definitely would have been up for some deals. But the point is that on, on a given Utah team, there may be between five and seven players in which a company would be willing to spend money on. Uh, they maybe want to do product-based deals, but to spend actual cash on. I guess is in a given year, you talk about between five and seven players where a actual sponsor, simply for the name likeness and ability to market, would want to spend cash. So, look, would it affect the team? Definitely. Would it affect the majority of the team? Absolutely not. So, Tom, would it have impacted your playing ability to be on the side doing commercials for, you know? I don't. I don't think it would affect my playing ability. I think it would have affected my wallet. Yeah, and my ability to to potentially start saving earlier than what than what I did. I don't know. I just think you know if if my skill set warrants somebody wanting to put me on television and pay me for it, mm-hmm. then I I should be able to benefit in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And I I agree with with what Evan said. I I don't think it's gonna it, this bill's gonna benefit everybody. Um, in in the same way that it's gonna affect some. You know, like right now there's. If this bill was in place at the minute, you know, Zach Moss is somebody that would probably be on television getting paid for doing so. Tyler Huntley, Bradley and I, there, there are a handful of guys. Britton Covey. Britton Covey's mm-hmm. a, a very popular figure around the state. But the majority, like, there are 120 kids on, a, on, on the Utah football team right now, you know. So we're, we're looking at, like, 115 of them, not really. Mm-hmm. But with the other 115, what I like about this bill is they can go out and be like, hey, if any, if any high school kid needs... Needs needs some practice, or you want to pay me a little bit here so I can teach you some stuff that I've learned at Utah. You don't have to go through like three weeks of nonsense with the NCAA. My senior year, I tried to teach some some kid how to punt. Keyword tried because it's it's much more harder than, than people think. <laughs> Teaching is harder than it lo- than it looks. Yeah. And it took me like three weeks to finally get the all clear and be like, "Well, make we got to make sure you're charging as much as." As yeah. much as maybe John down the road, well, it's like, hold on a second, I've accomplished far more than what John has down the road. I'm going to charge whatever the you know what I want. Yeah. You know, and you're not going to tell me how much I can charge, because if that kid is willing to pay me $500 for an hour, then I should be able to do that, because I, I've warranted that. Yeah, you've earned that. And and I do think that's that the NCA rules have led to this, you know, like the pendulum swings so far the other way. And I do think there's a lot to flesh out. But I do think their rules where I, I remember a, a Utah player gave a high school kid who didn't have shoes, a pair of shoes. And they asked me not to write about it because it would be an NCAA violation. Right. And and that's just to me, you have two or three pairs of shoes. That's just what a human being does. Right. Mm-hmm. You just share if you if you need to. I wonder what this does, though, to the chemistry on a team if four or five guys are 
getting endorsement deals and making 500 bucks an hour to do whatever they do um, when everyone's benefiting from the program success, right? Do you think it impacts chemistry? Sly, you first and then Tom? Uh, I think it does. You know, um, just from my development and one thing that I've gotten since I came to Utah, uh, in 2006, I got to play with Eric Weddle. And then uh, 2007, we were in the Poncieta Bowl. He was with the Chargers, so he came and spoke to the team. It was his rookie year. They did really well. They went all the way to um, the AFC Championship against the Colts. But um, one thing that he told us is, like, it's a huge difference between college and in the pros. And the biggest reason of that is money. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's out for themselves in the NFL. You know, I've personally seen guys who are literally in one day and out the same day. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's the business. And that's how it's going to become in college. It's like, yeah, you know, somebody who's who's sitting on the bench uh, can't have the same type of effect as a Zach Moss or something like that. But, you know, that player, I've seen tons of players who've been riding the bench for the first two years and has a huge developmental swing. And now by the time he's a senior is a huge uh, factor in that team. Mm-hmm. You know, but, if, that, but does does Tom making five hundred bucks an hour to teach somebody to punt impact that? No, I Is don't. I, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Unless okay. Tom brings that back to the team. It's like what and up? That's why. Well, yeah. <laughs> Look I mean, at my money. <laughs> Tom's in the Tom's in the locker room um, bragging about the five hundred dollars I made in just an hour, and you know he's able to buy this and that, and then that other kid who's not able to do something like that is who feels. And Tom, you could uh, being on a team, you know this, like. Other people can't see that they're not as good as Tom, but, you know, there's some people who are like, I'm just as good. I bet there was tons of people on our team who was like, I'm just as good as Sly. Like, mm-hmm. why can't I do this or that? So there's mm-hmm. jealousy that's going to uh, promote with that. And with money inserted into that, that's going to yeah. intensify that whole thought process. That's why you pay a coach three point something million dollars to fix the locker room. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you see how well that goes, though. Yeah. You know, the, there's you can't control everything. You can't govern everything. If these guys are supposed to be young adults, this college period is supposed to be a huge maturation period for these kids. And you injecting money right out of high school, mm-hmm. on a, like all these starting true freshmen. You know, Covey came in true freshman, all American. You start paying him. Say he came from a place where he never had money. That's I don't think that's Covey's problem. But like, say these guys from Texas, from Vegas, from Cali, who's never had money, is a top tier player. 17, 18 years old, and you're starting to give him these shoe deals and these. Um, that's going to mess up his psyche. He's like, I don't need school. I don't need. I'm already making money. I, I definitely see your point. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk though. If maybe your feeling about college sports isn't a little bit nostalgic, because in just in the time Tom's been in, like the 2012 to here, your 2006 has. The business changed. I'm going to ask Ethan and and Evan to weigh in on that when we come back. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Welcome back. You're listening to Voices of Reason. This is Amy Donaldson, and I'm flying solo this week. Uh, Jason is in Africa. Uh, we're joined today by uh, Tom Hackett, former University of Utah punter, um, also now uh, works for kslsports.com. Uh, Stevenson Sylvester, uh, better known as Sly, local entrepreneur, philanthropist, and uh, broadcaster here at KSL as well. And then uh, Ethan Bauer, uh, a member of the Deseret News In-Depth team who's written a lot of really great pieces on um, 
you know, just sort of the issues of sports of the day. And one of them was uh, this uh, this idea of how do you fairly compensate athletes for um, for their own image and likeness while they're playing college athletics. And then we are joined uh, by Ethan Brennan, uh, NFL sports agent, who um, is in California. He lives in California, but has represented uh, guys all over the country. I follow you on Twitter, and you're always in some new and interesting place. But also has represented a lot of guys uh, from here in Utah. Um, I just wondered, um, before we took the break, uh, Sly was talking about, Sly and Tom were giving their opinions on sort of the locker room culture and how that would be impacted by one or one or ten guys making extra money on the side. Um, and some of that, you have to admit, uh, is comes from individual personality. And some of that comes from the fact that they're, you know, members of the University of Utah football team and you know, that has its own mystique and its own following. Um, and so I just wondered, um, Evan, uh, what your thoughts are on can something be done about that as far as the culture goes? Is there a way um, a, a way to deal with that? Well, through the higher education today, I mean, I went to undergrad, I have a master's, and I went to law school. The, the whole trend in higher education is how can we train and simulate the real world once they're in their profession as much as possible? Um, I think college football is the same. College coaches now recruit, hey, we're going to get you to the NFL. Our defense, our offense is just like the NFL. We run our team like the NFL. And so you see it not just football, like I said, in education in general, there's this whole shift on let's let's make things as realistic to the real world as we can. And so if you if you run your team with that expectation, and I think college football is very much more run than it was 20 years ago, um, like the NFL, um, then I think that this is commiserate. No one's suggesting that you pay these players hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars unless they warrant that in a fair marketplace. In today's game, I think there would be very, very few players that would get that kind of money. But even when you play in the NFL, there is an imbalance, uh, player to player to player. Um, obviously, you know, the starting quarterback is making a lot more money than the, uh, the guy on the rookie minimum salary, mm-hmm. and he's garnering massive deals. And I think the locker would be very similar to an NFL locker room. I agree, though, with what the fly uh, saying that uh, he's played the NFL, he's played the Steelers among other teams, and there probably is a lot of players simply just playing for money. I know that personally. And if you were to go this route, some of that would indeed uh, bleed down in there. Um, but I think that's a reality uh, that's probably unavoidable at this point that college football is closer to the NFL in almost every regard that ever has been. Whether or not that's a good thing is debatable, but yeah. it, it's the way things are going. I think definitely in the Power Five conferences, that's a hundred percent. I've just noticed it in my time. I've only, I only covered college football for about eight years of my twenty in sports, and uh, I saw a huge shift. Um, I even see it a little bit in high school now. Um, that the, just the business aspect of it, the fact that this is a job, or we want to make it seem like a job, has definitely run. It's run downhill. Ethan, what did you find in your research when you talked to athletes and to coaches about this as far as that um, idea that the thing we love about college sports as fans, which is the, that was our school and we all feel really good about amateur sports, it is it doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, that um, in my research, I found that that changed around the 1980s. Um, not that it hadn't been changing somewhat to that point, but... That's the era where, you know, sponsorship, endorsement deals, television deals really exploded and schools started really um, making this into a hugely profitable business. And, you know, we've only seen that expand like any other growing business would in that time, of course, with uh, 
seemingly little regard for uh, how the athletes get cut into that. Yeah. Is there a difference between the focus on football? And we always go to football because it's the biggest revenue sport. Um, I, I don't know. Men's basketball might rival them. But was there a difference when you looked at other sports or talked to coaches from other sports? As far as how they're looked at as a yeah. business? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't really talk to anyone about that, so I don't know if I'd be too good to comment. Yeah. There. What about you, Evan? I mean, I know you're an NFL agent, but what's your thought on sort of how this impacts other sports? I think it does tremendously. I mean, to me, the, the big thing that's changed all this is the TV deals. If you look at, you know, 15 years ago, some of these TV deals of the Pac-12 for all sports, not just football, but largely created because football are in place, and that's really kind of pushed this. Utah joined the Pac-12 and the monetary fallout that they're able to get due to this potentially. They can start paying Coach Winningham exponentially. Um, they can upgrade their facilities, do these huge TV deals. And I think when those started coming into place uh, across basketball as well, um, that allowed really for this huge push for the student athletes to turn and say, wait, you're telling me that uh, NCAA men's basketball uh, or the NCAA garners, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, much more than that, um, we're able to do all these things as a program with football. Uh, where, where's my money? Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone else is able to make money here, and, I, and I'm not. And I think that changed probably about 10 years ago when these huge deals, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, et cetera, uh, came into play. Mm-hmm. I think it will bleed, bleed over into other sports uh, because there are monetary fallout um, there as well. And, and I do think there are players that rise to that level. I mean, Jimmer, Jimmer Verdett from BYU would have made a killing. I mean, he wouldn't even, you know, he could have made a lot of money. Um, I, I do think that's, you know, that we focus so much on football and so much of that has, is driving everything that we don't separate it and say, what about these other sports? Will it hurt these other sports? I don't see how it hurts them. Um, just to, let me ask you, Tom and Sly, what would you have done with $1,000 extra a month? Would that have been um, motivating as far as well, improving first, your craft? Me, Tom's talking about they're getting $1,300. <laughs> How much did you get? I, I was lucky to see $600 a month, so I'm just like... <laughs> see, that was the Pac-12 versus the Mountain West right well, there. Right, right, right. That's Definitely dated. I mean, we didn't have the facility they have now or anything. With an extra $1,000 a month, my room and board's already paid for. Um, books, uh, free education, an extra thousand dollars. I'm a young kid. What am I going to do with that? You know, I'm going to buy party supplies <laughs> or um, more clothes. Some things okay, that I don't. If, what if they had sent you to a money management class See, as that's, a freshman? That's right? what I'm saying. That these yeah. guys, the NCAA, needs to invest in. Invest in something to where you're actually teaching because they're not teaching these kids anything. Yeah. And then you have kids who don't want to pay attention. Look, they'll pay attention if you're like, look, you can get paid if you pass this course. And they're going to be like, okay, that's all I got to do is pass a class. Let me do that. And so th- that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. Put it in a CD. Become financial advisors, financial management. Benefit these kids in some kind of way. They can't touch that money till they're 25 when they've been through a lot of young crap. And mm-hmm. they're like, okay, I'm 25. I can really use this. I'm trying to buy my own house. I'm trying to buy an engagement ring. I'm trying to do this. I've, you know, went through the young adolescent spend money just because I got it type things. I'm trying to plan for my future now that I'm 25. When I'm 20 years old, I'm blowing it. Believe that. <laughs> and I find my, I fancy myself as a very humble, responsible financial individual. Yeah. And I'm trying to but tell you. But you're being you, realistic about yeah, it. I'm yeah. Being, I, my rookie year, we went all the way to the Super Bowl. There was yeah. a lot of money that I blew. <laughs> okay. And I was 21 years old. Speaking from experience. Yes. Okay. Uh, We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to go to Tom right off the bat. But uh, you're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. 
Welcome back to Voices of Reason. I'm Amy Donaldson, flying solo today. No Jason Lee. He is in Africa enjoying a trip of a lifetime. Um, we'll probably hear about it on a future episode. Um, we're joined today by Tom Hackett uh, of kslsports.com and Utah football fame. Uh, we have Stevenson Sylvester, better known to us as Sly. He's a broadcaster, entrepreneur, philanthropist. Actually, his big uh, giving season is coming up here, Thanksgiving to Christmas. So if you want to get involved, Athlete Strong, right? AthleteStrong.com? Yeah. Dot .org. Okay. Uh, .org. AthleteStrong.org. <laughs> I'm really, I'm batting like 200 with you today, Sly. <laughs> <laughs> the dot .coms are all taken. Uh, and then we have Ethan Bauer from the Deseret News In-Depth team, uh, who's written a lot of really great in-depth pieces about sports issues, including this one. And then uh, on the phone with us, we have uh, Evan Brennan, who's an NFL sports agent, Represents a lot of guys here in Utah. I've followed him ever since I've been covering college sports, and I appreciate everyone being here. Um, Tom, I'm going to go straight to you and give you and, and say, what would a thousand dollars a month have meant to you as a player? It would have been good. Look, I'm one of the fortunate ones. My old man is um, pretty high up in the business world back home, and um, any financial question I've really ever had, I've I've been able to ask him and and get some guidance um, through mm-hmm. Hacko, as we call him. So. Um, and I understand that, you know, there are, there are a lot of people that play collegiate football or collegiate athletics that don't have that... Um, that resource. They don't have that resource, and, yeah. and, and they might not know who to go to, and so they might not be able to spend... And sure, I would have had fun with it. You know, I enjoy uh, a few adult beverages, um, unlike some, and uh, I, I probably would have gone a little crazy every now and again, depending on the performance I put on the field. But at the same time, I think I would have... I would have uh, put some in the bank and, and, and tried to save some of it uh, here and there. I, I wasn't able to do that with the money I was earning from my scholarship check, unfortunately. But um, believe it or not, Sly, I know it's, it's crazy. But, yeah. <laughs> Even on 1300 uh, which we should say, I know this from doing a little research on the Medicaid expansion, that $12,000 is what the state says is poverty level. And and twelve thousand dollars a year, so that'd be a thousand dollars a month. Um, the federal guideline is actually seventeen thousand, so there's somewhere in that ballpark, right? So you're considered living at the federal poverty level, even on your thirteen hundred dollars a month. So th- I think that's an, just an important sort of uh, ref- frame of reference. But right. you're in school. I was in school. I can't even tell you how many potatoes and cans of chili that I ate. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they were cheap. <laughs> Cost so, of living is something that's also calculated, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So petrol nowadays, gas is a little more expensive than it used to be, yeah. groceries, whatever. That makes sense, yeah. So that it keeps going up. It's not just for your mad skills and that Pac-12 money, but I do think the Pac-12 money made a huge difference, right. and I agree with Sly. If you look at the facilities before and after, just the cafeteria, the food you guys received versus the food you guys probably lived on, like... McDonald's. Nothing, and, I don't even want to know what I ate back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Sort of probably similar to my diet. <laughs> um, the $5 pizzas. But the one thing I um, I wanted to discuss a little bit more is this idea of a trust fund or a CD. I don't like that idea. Ethan, in your story, you mentioned the Ohio State case where players were p- penalized for, um, and coach was fired. Um, let's be clear, he was fired for Covering lying it yeah, about exactly. it. Yeah. Um, covering it up. And so uh, Jim Trestle, great coach, though. Um, but he I think he lied about it because he felt like a lot of us do. Some of the NSA rules are stupid. And these kids traded equipment or memorabilia that they had earned um, that they thought was theirs for tattoos. And so they got punished and Jim Trestle lost his job. And I think anybody looking 
in at that that wasn't from Michigan said that's stupid. These they earned these things. They won these prize. They, if it's they want to sell their ring or their gold pants or whatever, that's their decision. I mean, what was what was some of the reaction you got to that incident? Yeah, that was really the main narrative arc of the story. You know, you start with this guy Tim Nevius, who's a former NCAA investigator who worked on that Ohio State case, and his job was to go and talk to these players and try to understand exactly what they did and and why they did it and he said he just came away from that thinking what are we doing here like we're not helping anything why like they really they thought it was their rings their you know their jerseys whatever they were they were selling for these tattoos what am i helping by being here and you know punishing them for this um and you know now he's a a student athlete advocate you know he has his own student athlete advocacy organization and, you know, very much in favor of this this mm-hmm. bill, this law, among other things. Evan, do you see cases like that as sort of driving this kind of law or this kind of change? Because it seems like people were angry after that Ohio State case. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think one of the key things here is I think that people are very worried about the federal government or the state government getting involved in how kids spend their money. I mean, at age 18, you can go fight a war, you can go get married. And traditionally, the United States has not gotten really into how people can spend their money. So they have the ability to earn it. Um, it sets legal precedent, it sets legislative precedent that we're able to dictate how people spend their money and how the government monitors people's income. And that can lead over to other facets of life outside of this that scare a lot of legal minds. So one of the big things that uh, I think is driving this is, hey, we need to get the financial literacy courses. We, we can't allow this to happen unless X, Y, Z happen. And that all sounds good, Danny, but there is some real fear that that could be manipulated beyond that where you're really starting to control how the, how the government uh, controls people's money that they're entitled to regardless. So that's been something that's bandied about in legal circles, but I agree totally wholeheartedly that this, uh, the, the Ohio State thing uh, is in large part you know, um, in regards to that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, I, I get nervous about, not nervous, uncomfortable with this idea that somebody at the NCAA is going to hold this money in trust for these kids. Um, in part because I know some kids who've been on scholarship and I was a kid who came from very little means and I relied on a scholarship and loans to go to school and I know um, what I didn't have and what I I would have maybe gone home and visited my family or um, there are kids I know who've missed weddings, funerals, um, other things because they didn't have the money to travel and I do think there is a you know, a practical reason for maybe somebody just wants, maybe they've never had anything, their whole family's never had anything. I would have probably used some of my money to help my parents. Um, I can see some of the kids that you guys play with saying, I'm going to help my mom get a car if I get a sponsorship or whatever. And I, I feel like that, also I feel like football lifespans are so short nowadays that if he can get $5,000 a month and he wants to buy his mom a car and put some money away and buy party supplies. I don't see that other people are making millions of dollars off of him and his abilities. I don't see uh, so many kids get hurt in college and they never make or they or they're just not good enough, right? I just think that the nostalgia we have for college football is what I have for the newsroom of the 90s. It uh-huh. no longer exists. And the newsroom of the 90s doesn't exist no matter how much I miss it. I think that's how I feel about college football. That era is over and I think we have to be realistic and smart and understand these are still kids but 
there are also kids who are as I don't I think it was Evan maybe said something about simulating job maybe it was Tom if you're going to ask them to be adults and learn to be adults then you might have to trust them a little more with money than you want to let's make no mistake though these kids a handful of these kids are celebrities mm-hmm. they are yeah they 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 want uh, they warrant photos being taken of them when they don't know about it one of the biggest things I, I've had an issue with with the NCAA over the years are they, they put these rules and regulations in place and they have no way of actually kind of following as to, as to whether or not those rules and regulations um, are, uh, are, are occurring. So, for example, uh, the tattoo case is one of, I'm sure, thousands that the NCAA's had had concerns over. But But let's just say back in 2015, I wanted to go down to a local cafe, and the cafe owner decided he was going to give me that meal for free. Like, there Mm -hmm. really is no way for the NCAA to ever know about that. Yeah. And by the way, it happens all the time. Yeah. Like, all all the time across the country. And the SEC, in particular, have have been rumored for many years now (laughs) to be doing things far worse than getting a free meal for breakfast from somebody that appreciates your line of work. Yeah. And so if you're going to put these rules and regulations in place, then why don't you have some way of actually following them up and making sure that they're in place? But you can't just tell somebody to do to not do it and expect them not to do it, but then if they do it, they're not going to get punished for it. But I don't see... I, so those are the rules that I think make people hate the NCAA, right? They're, un, they're unenforceable, and if they get enforced, you're penalizing somebody, as Utah was penalized, for buying a kid a meal before he gets on a plane to go to a funeral, right? That's the kind of thing you're punishing, Right. So, so Ben Lennon came over from Australia at the start of the year and he decided not to take his um, his flight home. He was on an official visit. He decided not to take his flight home. And uh, I wasn't thinking straight, but I decided, you know, instead of you going on a couch, come. you can just come. i got a spare bedroom. Come sleep in a bed. He just left his family for the first time in his life. They're 18 hours away, 24 hours away on the other side of the world, so he's feeling a bit down. Um Turns out I'm a booster for the athletics department because I talk about them on the radio and do stuff like this. Um, so they they considered me a booster, and fortunately Benny was able to play this year. But they lost, I think, two official visits uh, for this season. The the football team did. Um, I just think it's ridiculous to yeah. be honest. I mean, like like all I was trying to do was was uh, make sure he feels all right, be a human being. Yeah. Be yeah. Have have a bit of courtesy. And, that, and I think that's the problem with the NCAA rules. And it's like, what what are you talking about? I can't put him in a bed, as opposed to a couch. You know, he's going to spend the week on a couch. I said, no, I've got a bed. Come sleep in the bed. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, that's a problem. When yeah, let me tell you, leaving leaving mum and dad on the other side of the world at twenty twenty one years of age is is no easy feat. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was feeling pretty down, and I could tell he was a little saddened by the by the whole experience and. Yet apparently they just want to leave him to himself and yeah. and, and, and keep him that way. I mean, it just it's ridiculous to me. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I, I think we could tell 10 of those stories for every sport every year, right? So, and Evan, you probably have a, a ton of them. Um, I just want to thank you guys for joining this conversation. I think there's going to be a lot more to discuss. As, like Evan said, dominoes continue to fall. Other states follow California's lead and the NCAA is forced to really deal with, um, I think, some really archaic uh, and inhumane at times uh, policies that they are just not realistic. They're, they're not in the best interest of college athletics. They're not in the best interest of college athletes. Um, wherever you fall on the spectrum of compensating athletes, I think that part 
is something that almost everyone agrees on if you've been around College Board for about five minutes. So thank you again. Uh, You've been listening to Voices of Reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.